Ah! Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Mark. And this is our continuing coverage of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And this episode, we are covering Monarch Legacy of Monsters, episode five, The Way Out. I uh I I I was very pleased with this episode. Well, considering I don't know about you. the last episode. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it was not a high bar. <laughs> it, it wasn't hard to beat last yeah. episode. We had a lot to say about last episode. Oh, yes, we did. And it was uh, great that Rob could jump on and add to it. But this this episode, yeah, I agree. I was a bit impressed with some of it. A lot of this, the writing within it based on characters that we finally get to meet as well as learning a little bit more about other characters that we already are following within the show. So I'm glad that we get uh, a few answers, actually. A few answers, and I will I will say, uh, I'm going to say this right from the top. Yeah. Man, my theory is holding so much water about, <laughs> the, about the slowing of Lee's aging. Oh, yeah, There's, it is. There is so much there. And even after this episode, I was like, oh, like I, my theory's holding water. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, I, that theory is valid. So uh, before we get into the episode, though, yeah, I'm with you. Special thanks to Rob again for coming on last week. Uh, Rob Moda from um, uh, Fantasy Picks pod, uh, Movie Edition podcast. And um, I felt bad <laughs> because <laughs> we invited him to come on. Before we watched the episode, like we're like, yeah, let's have Rob on for, you know, for episode four. And then I watched episode four and I was like, oh, I, I feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a great episode. Uh, but he ran with it, man. And it was, yeah, it was great having him on. Yeah. Plus a lot of, there's a point in episode four with all the flashbacks that do relate to this particular episode that we do see in uh, one scene at the very end, but. Honestly, I still think uh, it was a filler episode could have been done for an extended episode for episode three or even making this episode four and then extending the intro with that. Information. Wait, so you, you're not saying you think this episode is filler episode? Five? No, no. The last one episode. Four. Four. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. They could have utilized that to extend three a little bit and then do more in the very beginning of this one and this replacing episode four. Oh yeah. This should opinion. have been episode four. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that completely. Um, but I digress. So going back real quick before we start diving into the episode, um, there's two things that I want to discuss. Um, the first is you and Rob kind of had some really big critiques about Godzilla minus one. Mm -hmm. Um, you in particular, However, since we last recorded, mm -hmm. it now has higher scores on Rotten Tomatoes than Oppenheimer. Yeah, I noticed like, that, too. It is an incredibly high-rated film for having yeah. only a $15 million budget. And everybody else I've talked to who has seen it says, like, 
this might be movie of the year. Which is surprising and, to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, because hearing your critiques of the movie last week, and that, and when I say critiques, I, I don't want that to come across like you and Rob hated the movie because you didn't. Oh hate no! It. But you ha- you did have some critiques of the yeah. movie, mm-hmm. and and hearing those critiques, I was still excited to see it. But like, I was like, oh well, maybe I'll just wait a little bit and go see it in theaters later. But now everybody I'm talking to is like, no, go see it in theaters now. Like, it's so good. I'm like, what the hell? Like, who was watching what? I don't know. Well, yeah, I, you have to realize, too, me, I'm a Godzilla fan, but I, yeah. Lifelong. I, I kind of nitpicked it, but I'm, didn't, I'm not saying it's a bad movie altogether. I'm saying it, it was it's probably one of the better Godzilla films that have come out within the past 30 years. Now, mind you, Godzilla's been around since 1954, so obviously we've had other films. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, th- th- and I I had a laugh when a friend of mine had posted it on uh, Instagram. He goes, oh, I'm going to see Oppenheimer, too. And there he is in front of the Godzilla minus one poster in the movie theater. And I just started I'm, laughing, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, Oppenheimer, to me, is my movie of the year. Like, I saw that in theaters, and I was yeah. completely, no pun intended, blown away by that movie. So for all these people, like, making the comparisons, uh, you know, to it being potentially movie of the year, and now seeing it's getting better scores than Oppenheimer, I'm like, well, that's that's some pretty serious praise for that. That movie. is very serious praise. I'd say I, I could say it could be the movie of the year for Japan and America, but I wouldn't necessarily be the movie of the year for all films. I would say it would come in second. If uh, based upon the appeal to it, I still think Oppenheimer is the movie of the year too. I enjoyed it when I went to see it in the theater. <laughs> Well, I mean, Godzilla is also a very niche audience too. So, like, I True. I don't think there's even a chance that Godzilla minus one is going to make movie of the year, or even no, or even place in the top five. I mean, to be completely honest with you, because again, it's yeah. a very niche audience. There are, you know, fans of that, but it's not the typical award ceremonies movie film. No. <laughs> you know that's going to go to like movies of the year are going to go to you know movies like Oppenheimer or Killers of the Flower Moon or you know those kind of films Godzilla's for the fans yes might be movie of the year yeah exactly for the general industry mm, no maybe not <laughs> no. that would be like saying the Marvels is going to be one of the better movies of the year too I haven't even seen it and I know that it's not true exactly (laughs) i haven't even seen it and i know that's not true uh but the other thing i wanted to bring up is something happened shortly after we finished recording so we Mm. weren't able to talk about it on last week's episode even though last week's episode released after this Mm -hmm. uh but we got a trailer for the next installment of the legendary godzilla monsterverse and we got the trailer for Godzilla X Kong. Yep. So, what are your general thoughts on that trailer? Well, I'm excited to see it. I'm 
interested in what they're go- where they're going with it and when within legendary Godzilla dust definitely has a different look to them with the pink spikes and the eyes and the uh, his atomic breath within it looks more like uh, Godzilla 2000 because the Godzilla 2000 from Toho had the pink spikes and the uh, the atomic well the atomic breath wasn't pink which was weird in that particular film. But the running aspect of the the funniest, I'm nitpicking at this, but the the running aspect of it, of both Godzilla and Kong at the end of the trailer, kind of made me giggle because it just gave me that the feels of an original 60s and 70s Toho run where Godzilla do, would do some weird things. And he's there jogging right along with Kong. And I'm like, okay. But it, it's also, I, I think that's also paying tribute to, uh, Legendary's paying tribute to, to some of what they did back in the 60s and 70s, gearing it more towards kids, because that's literally because when 54 came out, the the original 54 Godzilla came out, it was uh, supposed to be a commentary. And that's why it was serious. And even though you look at it, it's a puppet and you got a guy walking around a big rubber suit, but it was a, a commentary on the, uh, the bombings in Japan in the 40s during yeah. World War Two, but we've so, talked and we've talked about that before. We've talked about it, but after a certain point with Godzilla, they were trying to make that more appropriated for kids. So I think they're trying to grasp more of the kid or audiences in America now with legendaries, which is fine, especially now that we got a Kong bait, like a little baby Kong or something like that. Now. Yeah, and I like, and I've seen, I've seen people online talk about. You know, I've seen a, ver- a, a variety of different things, like people complaining that, oh, Godzilla, <laughs> why is he pink? He was never pink. Well, you're wrong. He has been pink before. Yeah. Um, his his spikes have been pink. I think the atomic breath has never been pink before. No, it hasn't. Um, but his spikes have been pink. As you mentioned, Godzilla 2000. Um, and I think 2016 Shin Godzilla, he was also a hue, uh, a pinkish hue in that yeah. as well. Pinkish, more uh, reddish. Oh no, one. he was yeah. yeah, it was like a purple hue, I yeah. think, in in that. Um <laughs> listen to me sounding like I know what I'm doing. I looked it up. Uh <laughs> but I mean, and the other thing is like I've seen people say, like, oh, is this son of Kong? And I'm like, no, you can kind of tell by the trailer it's not his son. Nope. This is just another baby Kong. But what interests me about this is it seems like we're definitely gonna dive more into Hollow Earth. Yeah. Um, we're going to get more of that world. It seems like humans do exist in the hollow earth yep. um, because there's tribes of people down there. It seems like there's even some technology down there, um, which I got excited seeing that because that leaves that leans even more credit accreditation into my other theories for Godzilla versus Kong in that they've been to Lee has been to hollow earth before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keiko fell into Hollow Earth and is potentially still alive. Yeah. So, y- you know, I, I, I'm you know, I, just the fact that there were humans in Hollow Earth makes me believe my my further theories for God's for Monarch is that that's where Lee went and Keiko might still be alive. But we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> I mean, especially if you think about the fact that, like, if he was in the Hollow Earth and it slowed his aging until he came out, 
And then he started aging normal again. And that's where Keiko is or was. Then Keiko potentially, since she's been down there since what, the 1950s, mm-hmm. could still look almost the same age. Yes. Because so, if she lived down at the role at that time, she could be ageless. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Yeah. She could she could still look the same as she did when she fell in. But we're going to have to wait and see because that's not what we got out of this one. But exactly. I'm excited. I, I saw the trailer. I'm excited. I did. I did think the whole Godzilla popping out of the ground and running next to Kong was a little cheesy. Um, <laughs> but I don't care. I'm I'm so invested in this universe now. Yeah. That I was like, yeah, just bring it. Bring it on. Bring it all on. Just keep it coming. So um, that said, let's dive <laughs> into the episode. Yeah. Uh, season one, episode five, the way out by the end of this, we are halfway through the season. And I want to say two major notes that I got from this are one, as we already mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. we're back on an uptick because I'm, I thought this episode was miles better than last week's episode. And two, we've mentioned that we have the screeners for the entire season now. We have access to watch until the end. Um, I know I have said and committed that I'm not going to watch ahead mm-hmm. because I want to, I want it to all be revealed week to week. Uh, you have since failed that commitment. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have watched through episode eight. Correct. Uh, um, by the end of this episode, it was very hard to not want to keep watching. I, I understand. Yeah. 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 From your point of view, it's like, I will, I will really want to go see more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of like, mm, like, mm, I, I really wanted to keep watching. So, um, but I, as I do every episode as well, we got to thank Apple, uh, Apple TV plus for sent for making the screeners available to us as yes. well, uh, for that. So, um, Starting off, I mean, we we launched this episode right at we find out that the place that they landed in the helicopter was indeed a monarch outpost, uh, monarch outpost, Alaska. And we see Kate and Kantaro and, you know, before right. the opening credits, they're in isolation. They are locked up. Yeah. So May Lee, all of them are in isolation, uh, isolated from each other. They have their own independent cells. And uh, they're being interrogated. Um, are they being interrogated or are they kind of just being kept apart so that there's no collusion? I think I, it's I, just them questioning just to get where the, the information, what they're doing, and just so they don't collude on making their stories sound the same. So that they yeah. could, so they could, you know, basically, you know, I, that's why I say it's more of an interrogation. But yeah, yeah, it's just uh, <clears throat> Monarch at this point trying to literally get their uh, get their inf- information from them. Why are they at these uh, places? Why did they go to that particular uh, camp? Where did they get that information to follow this and do? Why do they feel that Hiroshi's alive? Well, I mean, and there's some very interesting things that come out of their time at Monarch because we see that May is getting healed from her 
almost hypothermia, you know, from the cold. We say Kentaro's isolated, Kate is isolated, Lee mm-hmm. is not only isolated, but in zip tied cuffs. Uh, because who the hell knows what he's going to attempt to try. So they, they have, yeah, to he's a 90 year old man. <laughs> they have to constrain. <laughs> well, but it's funny that you say that because again, there's a couple things that come out of this before yes. they send everybody on the, well, everybody except Lee on their way. Um, you know, one of them is there's a mention of, so Duval comes in and starts talking to may. Correct. And reveals that she's carrying two passports. And one of them has the name Lyra. Yes. I thought we learned in the last episode was her sister. So is Lyra really her sister? Uh, And if so, why does May have her passport? Or is Lyra not really her sister? And it's actually a dual identity that she uses and she claims when people question is her sister. But remember Duval, when she looked at the passport said, this looks nothing like you. So I'm pretty sure it's actually her sister, but it opens the question. Why does may have her passport? Did something happen to Lyra? Hmm. Good question. Thanks for your input, Mark on moving on. No, no, I'm kidding. I know you're kidding, but you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's a good question. I would assume that's her sister's. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, it, just the fact that she said, I mean, Maine's a character who I wouldn't put past having multiple passports, you know, to have multiple IDs or multiple, you know, identities. But when Duval says like this picture, like this looks nothing like you. Yes. That to me is the clue like, okay, this is actually her sister's passport. But mm. again, that now leads to the question, why does she have it? Like I I mean, I mean, I know there's really no answer to this yet, at least. Yeah. Well, at least not to me. You've watched ahead a couple episodes, so you might know. Um I have terrible but, memory too, by the way. That's why I, I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. That's why when you said like I watched ahead, I was like that's all right. You're going to forget half of it by the time we. Pass. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's fine. So but the the interesting way that she comes up with it, uh, Duval actually uh, approaches May with that uh, because she talks about discoveries of a new species uh, get a name, and usually the people that uh, do it. Uh, the way she says, she goes, "Oh, shall we call it Titanus May Hewitt or Lyra <laughs> Lyra Mateo of Tacoma, Washington?" Yeah. So I found that interesting, but it also gives us a little insight of May where she originally came from. So she's from Tacoma, Washington. Yeah, this, this is also true. And it's again, I know may still resumes or still continues to be a very, I don't mysterious. Mysterious is probably the best way to describe it because I, I'm not getting a sense that she's evil. No, but she's just hiding something of the truth within her. I, I think, I think she's kind of still looking out for herself. Yes. Because by the end of the episode, we see that she uses that business card Duvall left for her. 
Yes. Um, you know, to call her and say, okay, I want to go home. What do you want me to do? Exactly. Well, how do you want me to play this? Plus, uh, the the fact that Duval knew about May and how she's able to work with everything with computers, she knows that there's got to be a backup to that laptop, even though they can't get anything off that laptop. It's got to be somewhere in a cloud or something that she backed up on her own. So she's getting all that information, especially since they were able to pull... I think uh, when they sat Lee down, they showed a video from some of the archive stuff that they had behind him. And it was Lee with uh, Bill and Keiko back in the day in the 50s. Well, I don't even think initially the video that she shows is just Lee and Keiko because Bill is the one filming. But then she does show him a picture of the three of them. Yes. together um and that's really interesting because you're right i didn't think about that i didn't think about the fact that that video that 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 film had to have come from what what may has yeah and right? it, they said they my... found it on kentaro oh wait oh did they that's what they that's that's what deputy director what's her name verdugo verdugo says to Lee. Oh, I missed that part. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So I'm so, yeah. So then they're, they know more than what they're leading on. But I mean, again, we do get the conversation later that Verdugo, well, not Verdugo, but Tim kind of want to let's he, like he's the one that fights for them and says like, look, this is in their blood. This is Monarch is their legacy. Let's kind of just let them go. And Verdugo's like, okay, long leash. You know, we'll we'll keep them on. Yeah. So yeah, we see them, and that's why they we that's why they let them go. So it seems like we have like Verdugo is playing on the side of Monarch. She wants to keep the monarch secret safe. Tim is siding more with the family, and Duval is kind of falling somewhere in between. Yes which is a very interesting dynamic and seems to be what Monarch has always been. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's just different (laughs) elements to everything. Who's protecting what and where who's there for their own thing. And what we're not there with apex yet where apex was out for their own thing. But yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, I'm wondering if, yeah, I, I had this thought in my head when I was driving around this week for work and I'm, I'm thinking, I was like, all right, everything's based around Monarch. And then the movies had, you know, with Kong versus uh, Godzilla, that particular movie that regarded apex. I'm wondering if they if they do a season two, will they involve apex or does this flow into something with apex? I'm wondering if maybe we'll see, because you're right, we get, we don't get Apex until Godzilla vs. Kong. Correct. Um, you know, in the timeline, we still have Godzilla King of the Monsters yet to go. And that is at the point where Monarch becomes a public company. So it might be interesting to see if they do a season two of this. I imagine it would probably still fall before King of the Monsters. So maybe we might see something that could hint at the origin of apex yeah i'm thinking uh, you know, so 
I, I, you know what? I wouldn't even be surprised if Verdugo is one of the originators of Apex. Yeah, or getting it started too. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, be, I would. Be, you know, maybe whatever happens in this season leads her to leave Monarch and she becomes one of the original creators of Apex. Interesting. So I don't know. It That's a very loose theory uh, that, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, but um, one of the other things we, we kind of touched base on it, too. One of the other things that comes out of this whole thing with them being at Monarch is they they are playing with Lee's age again. Yes. <laughs> Duval and Tim have that conversation like, oh, he was one of the originators of Monarch, you mm-hmm. know, back in the back in the 50s. Actually, it was the late 40s. Oh, well, then shouldn't he be like 90? Yes, Correct. he should. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been saying since the beginning is that he something slowed his aging. He and then even Tim kind of plays more into it Correct. and says, like, look, there were missions that were off the books, like that we don't know about. And it's like, well, it was probably one of those. Well, yeah, apparently what what Tim says is like uh, when Duvall asks about it, Tim goes, uh, there was a mission that had gone bad, but it's classified. That's it. That's the way it was. So that's what, that's how it's explained. So that right away shows like what your theory was and what we've been talking about with his age and how we keep thinking, how is this guy this old and look like that? Well, I mean, and, and think about it, like the mission that goes, that went bad, that could have been the one in Kazakhstan where Keiko fell, where Keiko fell. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and think about like all the flashbacks that we've gotten with young Lee, none of them have taken place after Kazakhstan. Very true. So, so that was 1952. Everything else was four. Oh, 54. Definitely. I think it was, I think, I think Kazakhstan was 54. Uh, Um, We did go back to 52 though, but uh, yeah, you're right. 54. And then but none, none of the other flashbacks we have gotten of young Lee have are, taken all place after dating it. It's yeah. all them set up of Monarch originally with the military. And that's about it so far, which, which just leads me more to believe that he went after Keiko, Keiko, Kiko, whatever, however it's pronounced. <laughs> We're just going to call her K. Cause actually I think that's what they do call her. I think they call her K for short. Um, yeah. Lee does. Yeah. So we're just going to call her K cause. I I keep I pronounce it differently every damn time. Um <laughs> but yeah, I think that leads more into like he went after Kay. He like he wanted to see if she was if he could save her. Mm. So we're we're gonna find out. Uh I did make not a prediction, but did say it would be kind of cool if we saw it, and we kind of got it a little bit. Uh, of seeing Kurt and Wyatt share the screen together. Um, the It was such hmm. a moment of cinematic beauty when Verdugo was playing that film and Kurt was standing where Wyatt was on the screen. And you could see Wyatt's face projected over Kurt's when they were, when he was looking at the film with Kay. I thought yeah. that was such that was so well done 
like uh, we mentioned a couple episodes ago, seeing the transition of Kirk go to Wyatt and seeing them in the same scene together this time with Wyatt basically being projected on Kurt, man, that was so great on a screen. That looked yeah. so good. Yeah. You know, in a sense that was them kind of sharing the screen together. Now they, why it wasn't really there, but you know, <laughs> they, they did get to share the screen together, which yeah. was kind of cool. Oz all for it. Uh, anything else before if on your end that you kind of want to bring up or talk about before we get into the San Francisco element? Cause I mean, this episode really is kind of split in two in that we get, a lot from that Alaska Monarch outpost. And then we get more when they go to San Francisco. But before we go to San Francisco, anything else on your end from the, the only thing stuff? I could think of was, uh, the, the airport scene itself when they're all debating me, it's like, well, I need a bar. Oh, you get a bad star review. Oh, another star drop another star bars. Not open. one star, <laughs> one star, but <laughs> The uh, we still see the outlining stuff that uh, they have to do for anything Godzilla related, and I find it I found it odd. I'm hoping this comes up later on, but uh, there's a commercial that Kentaro looks at with Kate and and Maze there as well. But it's the Strata Secure Homes. Uh, apparently, they're underground homes, and they're underground. And it's like who do who wants to live in an underground bunker? And I think yeah. this is kind of a play on from G Day and how people were getting paranoid and wanted to live underground so that they could get away from any Titan attack. Oh, uh, I don't just, think that's a I, I don't think it's a play at all. I think that's absolutely what it is. Is like why live above ground where our buildings can be destroyed when we can we'll live underground and, and be protected. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I just love that uh they, they show that as like a like kind of like they hinted in there. So I'm I'm curious to see if we get that later on where you see somebody that actually uh, has a home or something where you see uh, a bunch of people that have this. Yeah. But we, we get, we get a little bit of that element in there uh, of uh, very much like we got in Tokyo with, you see all the posters, the evacuation mm-hmm. stickers on the floor, things of that nature. I, Missile I launchers still- up on a, on an overpass. But but the, the the homes the underground bunkers first the first thing I thought of is like oh a comparison and I I don't like to uh, I don't want to mention like uh, another film but it, it does allude to it like Pacific Rim because they were doing that they were actually building a wall and stuff like in that protect particular movie. Well, we do get that too because they you know it, they are told that San Francisco has been walled off like they they do not allow people in anymore um but going back to what you had mentioned about the underground bunkers and you know building homes underground one of my favorite things about this series so far in addition to the relationships with the people is the fact that they are showing this unit they've created this monster verse but through you know we don't get as much of it in the films because the films are more about the monsters and the immediate danger that's happening this show is kind of doing a great not kind of it's doing a great job of showing us this lived in world about this. This isn't just a universe where monsters exist. We are seeing the repercussions of that. We are seeing the adaptability of the human race because of that, you know, 
Tokyo, the streets of Tokyo are being weaponized. They are doing evacuation drills constantly in Tokyo. San Fran people in Alaska or wherever they are, are talking about building homes underground. Like this is a very lived in world where we are seeing the re like we are seeing the small little elements about this. Yeah. You know, it's not like, it's not like power Rangers where the Zords grow, grow, <laughs> defeat the monster at angel Grove. And the next day, everything's fine again until the next Like, Yeah. There back. were no deaths. There was no injuries. Yeah. They did not take out like a whole like section of the city and it's still in disrepair and they got to repair it now. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, this is a lived in world. This is all the things that happened in Godzilla in San Francisco we're seeing aftermath like there is actual aftermath it's not the city isn't like moving on it's mm -hmm. desolate and and i love that i love the fact that they're showing us a lived in monster verse well kind of like yeah well when we do get to san francisco we get to see the golden gate bridge the way it is already we get to see that side of the city that uh kate had gotten involved with at one point too with the school so i i think we could probably move into uh yeah that discussion yeah into into san francisco yeah um i i will say in comparison to last week's episode where we got a lot of flashbacks with kantaro and and may and seeing a lot of their background and how it didn't kind of work for that episode and the, like there was no chemistry or anything like that be between the characters. We do get flashbacks in this episode as well with Kate, but the mm -hmm. huge difference is these flashbacks worked. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we learned that the reason why, you know, Kate was on that bus wasn't just because she was a guardian. She was those kids teacher. Those were her yep. students that adds so much more to the PTSD that she is living with. Mm -hmm. um, we find out that she was in a relationship. Not only was she in a relationship, but she was unfaithful. In yeah. That she was literally in two relationships. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, be, well, did she get the key in that, that scene when you saw that chick in bed with her? Did she had, I think she had the key there. She had the key. Yeah. So yeah, it was like that debate. And, uh, and also that, there's a discussion too, and during that flashback, she was with May at that time when she was having kind of like a panic attack, and it was flashing from that particular scene too, and then how she felt that she's not a good person. Every every person she has ever dealt with or been involved with, she has let down. Yes. And she's not only living with the guilt of that, she's living with the guilt of never being able to resolve that. You know, she's let, she let down those students because she's the one that led them on the bus. She's yes. the one that went on the bus and she couldn't save them. She let them down in her mind. She let down her significant other. Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think Danny. Name. I think Danny was her name. Um, okay. She, she, Danny invited her to move out of her apartment and move in with her, made mm -hmm. a commitment to her. And Kate let Danny down by being unfaithful. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and 
I think, you know, she probably let that other woman down too, because that other woman probably did not know she was in a relationship. So like she is living with the, she is living with two forms of PTSD. She is living with traumatic post-traumatic stress of an event that was horrible to go through, but she's also living through a mountain of guilt. Yeah. So she is somebody with the wo- the weight of the world on her shoulders. And yeah. the flashbacks, unlike last episode, do a great job oh, of making yeah. us feel that. Yeah, she can't find a justification in her resolve to get past that, too. Uh, and that's also inclusive with her own father, Hiroshi, mm-hmm. for the fact that how he up and left and how she could have, you know, she felt she could have. Uh, stopped him or bro- had, like stopped him from disappearing, I guess. But yeah, it's it's really hard, and, and to see somebody suffering from that, the writing was done very well with, with uh, how they approached it. I thought. Uh, did you notice the name of the coffee spot that they had? Him and uh, her and Danny would go to every morning. What it was called? Oh, I know, I saw it, but it didn't click with me. Why? What was it? Uh, grounds hero. Oh, Jesus. That's like, (laughs) that's like punching you in the face with it. (laughs) God damn. I looked at that. I'm like, all right, what's the name of the cuff? Oh my goodness. And it's like, you see it. It's like grounds. is like an explosion, but I'm like, did they mean it to be zero? But it looks, it's an H there for hero. I'm like, okay. That's that's funny. I mean, it's it's very ironic and I'm sure it's done intentionally. Oh, yeah. Um, That's funny. Now that I now that I know what it is, that's that's really (laughs) funny. Uh, And to top on something that uh, Rob had mentioned, you remember how he was talking about some sort of connection between Kate and May? Yeah, I I thought about that watching this episode. So I kind of got those vibes too now with this. And I, it was I, really I, strange. But also I like the fact that Kate and Kentaro came together a little bit even at, before she blew up on him and having her breakdown. Yeah, there's definitely there was definitely a little connection between them this episode. In the, Yeah. Yeah, they were singing the uh, commercial or jingles that her fa- their father used to do for them, and then they were just singing them through. And you could see them getting along a little bit. And it was nice that they actually connected over that. Yeah. Like, they saw something that they both had in common. Like, yes, they have a lot of things in common and that their father was leading a double life. They were on opposite ends of it. But while they were on opposite ends of it, there was something there that kind of brought them together and and made them meet there in the middle and connect and it was it was actually really nice to see Kate smile. Yes, finally. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean she goes through some pretty bad trauma after that in you know when they're being chased by the the government agents. But yeah. but it was nice for a moment to see her kind of let go a little bit and 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 smile and be happy. Yeah. 
A lot of this had to do with a, a lot of uh, resolve too between not just for her and Kentaro getting along, but also with her and her mother and Kentaro in the mix with her mother as well. So we finally get uh, Tamlin Tamita as the mother Carolyn. We kind of knew that was coming. Um, yeah, but I was so happy to see it. Uh, Same here, because you know, I, I, yeah, it was nice seeing Tamlin Tamita. But the moment I saw her, of course, I'm like Kumiko. <laughs> it's Kumiko. Because <laughs> um, the last time we saw her in anything was when she returned to Cobra Kai. Yeah, that was the last time I remember seeing her in anything. So, yeah. which was only I think like a year or two ago. I mean, she might have done other work in Japan, but. Um, you know, since then, but I think anything like in American, we've seen her in, I think since this was Cobra Kai. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, it was kind of nice to, to see her. Yeah. I'm looking at her IMDb now. She did Cobra Kai, uh, in 2021 or 2020. Mm-hmm. She did a movie. She did a movie called the right mom in 2021. And then she did some voice work on blue eyed samurai for Netflix. Um, where she only did like two episodes, but oh. yeah, she, you know, and then she, we see her finally as Carolyn in Monarch. Wait, she was in hmm. Picard. Interesting. I don't remember her in Picard. Says she was in six episodes. Me neither. One of Picard. I don't remember six that. episodes. Commodore. Yeah. O. she was the Commodore. She was Commodore. O. don't remember that at all, huh. but now I'm going to have to go Me back neither. and watch Picard. <laughs> Go back and rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but it was it was nice seeing that. And it's funny because I kind of when we meet James, which is the gentleman um, who comes and picks them up from the airport immediately. Yeah, I got the sense of like, oh, <laughs> this is who she's involved. This is who her mom is involved with. The reason why Kate does not like this man is because he's moving into her father's position. You know, so I, I kind of got yeah. that sense. And then and then even at one point, you know, Carolyn says, um, uh, my work friend calls calls him her work friend. But yeah. then Kate confronts her mom about it, you know, later on towards the end. Yeah, yeah, she actually and even Carolyn says he's waiting for me to be ready, which makes mm-hmm. sense because she has to get a resolve of everything that happened with. Hiroshi just up and leaving sure her awareness to some degree that there was another woman and she knew that he had a a dual life in some way. And the reason why she sent Kate there was because after G day, Kate was locking herself and secluding herself into the, uh, in her room and not doing anything. She was just stagnating and feeling depressed about her that's why carolyn pushed her to go but also carolyn also didn't want to see for herself exactly that you know that these keys that she has for this apartment and its lease were of the other people in uh, hiroshi's life which was kentaro and his mom yeah but yeah, also it was a resolve with that too. If you think about it, it was like just her finding out the news, especially when she meets Kentaro and then how Kate approaches saying, I just told you dad's son here from another woman. 
and you just invite him in and she well the fact that carolyn i think already accepted that but she was still that that whole struggle with the box and him trying to help out was a little bit thrown off on even on carolyn but you see later on that she kind of deals with it in her own way she resolves that issue same thing with the with with james being in her life and explaining that to kate so yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned that moment with the box, too, because that was going to bring that up. And that was you're right. Like, it's it's one thing for Carolyn to to invite uh, Kentaro in, especially knowing like, hey, like this is Kentaro Randa, like meaning this is your husband's other child, um, you know, from another woman. And it seems like. Carolyn is trying to put up like a, f- a strong face for Kate in saying like, you guys must be tired. Please come in. But we see in that moment when she, she kind of fumbles with the box and Kentaro bends over to help her. Like she, and she, and she kind of flips I mean, and she doesn't flip out, but she kind of no. struggles with it. And she's like, no, no, I got it. I got it. And like, kind of pushes Kentaro away. Like mm. it's, it's a little bit of a break for Caroline because she's trying to be strong but you yes. can see it's very difficult for her to do it. Yeah, she's trying to be strong for herself and for her daughter and confront the issue at hand, which is very adult and very understanding, too. And that, that shows a lot of strength within her. Mm-hmm. So uh, especially by the time that they have to go to the ruins. Now, we know... <laughs> they work for FEMA and that's what they were been gathering all the stuff from the sites uh, that were closed down. They have access to that to get uh, people's personal property, which has been blocked off from the regular public. So her and James go in there and collect all, you know, people's personal property that were lost during G day just to get back. Cause a lot of people didn't want money. They didn't want to have all this other stuff. They wanted their older stuff. They wanted possessions. Were, yeah. Possessions. Yeah. So uh, that's how that we find their way to get in, to go to uh, Hiroshi's office at that point, which, okay. So if I were to nitpick any one thing about mm-hmm. this episode, because I did find it kind of cool when they're in the ruins of San Francisco and it's nighttime, you know, Carolyn tells them like, we you have to be back here by 8 a.m. because that's when we're leaving. And if not, you are stuck here and they're mm-hmm. gonna treat you like looters. Um, you know, you know, because nobody's supposed to be in the city during the day. So, like if you're yeah. stuck here, that's it. There's a moment where, like, as they're walking through the ruins, the building shifts, and Kate says, like, oh, well, you know, a lot of these structures underground aren't holding up, and it's um you know, it's, it's causing a lot of like buildings to just randomly fall. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. But now where are you headed? One of the still standing tallest structures in (laughs) San Francisco. (laughs) You just got done saying that buildings can randomly fall. Correct. I'm like, um, okay. Yeah. Have fun. I'm yeah, I, I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting a Cloverfield event where the building would shift and fall onto another building. Yeah, <laughs> <some point. laughs> that's kind of what I was getting too. Because I, I, I was, I was 
trying to make this point earlier and it kind of got away from me. Seeing them walk through the ruins at night gave me a lot of kind of the last of us vibes. Oh yeah. Just the desolate, how desolate it looks and how, yeah. Yeah. yeah with just without, you know, the, the clickers and the, all that other fun stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which was really cool because I loved the last of us. So, you know, kind of getting that vibe from it too, but yeah, it's here. Like hearing Kate say that buildings can just randomly collapse because of the ground underneath of them. And then where are we going? Oh, that tower. No, no, sorry. If I was may, I'd be like, um, have fun guys. I'm going yeah. back. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, Kate, I He's know not you, my dad. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you guys want to go to his office to solve the mystery of what happened to him, but, uh, I'm going to wait down here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be- because that, that's not happening. <laughs> it's like, um, it's like, so like I thought about that and I was like, well, like, Maybe they'll add an element of while they're up there, like the building will start creaking, or but shift. they didn't do yeah, anything yeah. with it. Nah, like I wasn't expecting anything. the building to just fall, but at least maybe play with them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are th- two, there are three people moving around a building that is a possibility. If with the weight of their bodies going from room to room, looking for this office, it's shifting. Well, I I think Kate knew where her dad's office was. She I yeah, just don't I think know. she had ever been in it. Yeah. So I'm sure they could still see some of the directories at the very beginning. <laughs> the lobby. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but again, this is very nitpicky. Like it, it didn't take yeah. away anything um from the episode for me. Nah. Uh, the venture to get there with the uh, flashbacks with uh, Kate were ver- done very well. Like we, you already mentioned them all with the girlfriend, how she kind of snaps at Kentaro at one point. We talked about that, but we did see a little bit more of Godzilla from the different perspective shots from that particular G day from 2013 or 2014, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like how going back to my earlier point about the the flashbacks and how they worked with this episode, like the, the flashbacks last week of seeing Kantaro lying on the snow and then turning and seeing May next to her or walking into the building and seeing like his art installation and all that. I was like, that this is kind of weird. I kind of don't get this. Yeah. But this week with them kind of, you know, running from the the federal agents mm-hmm. and you know and hiding from them and running into the sewer or running into the train lines and you know the underground subway stations and, and trying to hide you know from them those flashbacks work because we're seeing we're, we're seeing a trigger of kate's trauma yes that's why the flashbacks worked this week like we, we, it flashes back to the things that Kate was going through before G day happened or on the same day as G day. And mm-hmm. these are things that we can feel Kate kind of snapping to because now she is in this area where she experienced all this trauma and she's going through another situation again of being chased by the government, which is triggering this trauma. So yeah. in that sense, the flashbacks, really worked 
in this yeah. episode. Well, they relate to what the events are going on currently with her, and there you you're able to see a pattern with what's going on with her. Whereas last episode, it's like, oh, I'm just going to hallucinate about my dad at my art gallery. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hallucinate about May right next to me while I'm in the cold and. Oh, hold on! Wood shavings, wood shavings that go away. So, <laughs> which, yeah. which we get wood shavings again in, yes. in this episode, but it's more believable because there's no wind or snow. They're Correct. just sitting on a desk. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's uh, no, no windows are blown out in that building too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, there's not a lot of stuff that seems very hard to believe the only relation to last episode in comparison to this is when well it's a callback to from when kentaro and kate went to his office in japan and they pulled the map and you see the the safe behind it in this case it's the same map with pins on it just the same and he goes, oh, there's nothing there. That's what we were here for. And then they come to that uh, realization of the map that uh, did they have a tablet at one point? Yeah, it, it seems like May backed everything up to a tablet. OK, and they had one of the other maps that were on there from I think it was Bill Randis uh, maps that had markings on it. Yeah. So they and then which, the relation which, between the last episode and this one is Kentaro's uh, art. Uh, his first art installation was about projected images, which is what yeah. one of the flashbacks was in the last episode. And then how putting on an Im- uh, putting one image on another can reveal something completely new, which makes sense, but it. It, it's like they utilize the tablet. They put, he puts pieces of paper, marks it with the pencil, puts it to the light, and then it projects onto the map, which gives you other locations of Titans, I believe. So we see San Francisco, Alaska, and they mention Africa. Yes. So uh, apparently this is the path, supposedly, that Hiroshi is taking. Which, so... Uh, yeah, which is, uh, you know, it kind of reveals it kind of there's a lot of different little elements that kind of play into this. You know, when they're pointing up to the building, you know, Kate tells, you know, Kentaro and May, well, dad did like a view. Now we know why he liked that view <laughs> because yeah. he was using that. And uh, yes, you're right. This was Bill Randa's information. But let's not forget Hiroshi had it. He had it in a safe in his office in Japan. Yeah. So he had a, he had the actual map um, before May backed it up on the laptop and then the tablet. Uh, but you 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 said something very interesting in how can and I didn't it didn't click with me until you said it. Mm. You mentioned how Kentaro said like in my last art installation was about projecting images over another to reveal something. Mm -hmm. What happened earlier in this episode? Verdugo or Verdugo was showing Lee the video. Yes. Which was projected over him, which was projected over himself. 
<laughs> Does that mean something? Or is that just playing into symbolism of the episode? I think it would play more into symbolism within the episode. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I really... Maybe a little foreshadowing of what we got at the very end with Kentaro. I mean... What did we get at the end with Kentaro? No, with him and his... Uh, his well that yeah so that, that's what i mean by like the, the symbolism like seeing lee projected on lee you know and then later in the episode we get another something projected onto something else so like you're right it could have been foreshadowing or could it be that like lee is younger than we think he is i you know by showing us wyatt on top of her i don't know i could be reading <laughs> way too deep into this um but you know it is what it is but one of the things that like i found very interesting too is we get that conversation with tim and verdugo and and duvall and there's a mention there's a there's a mention of a line of dialogue from Godzilla in this episode. Hmm. And it's when um, Lee was talking to Verdugo and saying how Monarch has been wrong about everything. And he mentions the whole, oh, yeah, let them fight. We were wrong about that. That's the line that Serizawa says in Godzilla. About oh, King God- of the Monsters. No, wait, is that King of the Monsters or is that in the original Godzilla when it comes to, oh, no, wait a minute. Let them fight doesn't happen until Godzilla versus Kong, I think. Yes. Hold on. I, I got to look this up while we're talking. I think because, you're right with uh, Godzilla versus um, uh, Kong. Let's see. Godzilla. No, it's from Godzilla 2024. It is a scene with. Uh, with Sarazawa, and he says, let them fight. And oh, it's Godzilla probably in regards to okay. from 2014. Yeah, it's uh, he believes Godzilla will solve the problem of the Mudo instead of military bombs. So he hmm. wants to let them fight so that we're not like firing bombs on our own city just to try and destroy these monsters. He's telling them he's it's it's him saying, let them fight. Sarazawa says, let them fight. Mm hmm. Because he thinks Godzilla is going to win. And he does. So, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, it would have had to have been from 2014. Because that was what he was referencing, was G-Day. Mm-hmm. So, but I found it interesting when he said, like, oh, how wrong was that? And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, he just mentioned, let them fight from Godzilla. That was kind of cool. <laughs> there was also uh, another mention of 2014 of with Shaw when Verdugo was uh, talking to him and he was saying, well, that's what, what, that was the scene I was talking about. The yeah. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. He kind of mentions, uh, he gives the argument of what if they, uh, what if Godzilla didn't win? And then he poses that argument. So yeah. the world would be full of those mutos cause they were looking to throw some eggs down. What, yeah, I mean, which is a legitimate argument. Like, what would have happened if Godzilla didn't win? Yeah. They're, uh, I see Monarch as, like, changing. 
because it, it's like we, we see that conversation. We know Lee was the founder of Monarch, one of the founders. He he's there. He's also against them. They're and their ways of what they're doing and hiding. But he's also got, it seems like he's got his own agenda too. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's kind of prevalent in the last episode too, the way he treats the Randa kids. It's like when he sends Kintaro on his own way and then Kate's with him. So well, it's, it, and, it's probably and we kind of, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, either last episode or the episode before, when we were talking about like he he went to try and rescue Kay, and maybe there was something that drew him away from it, and now he's trying to get back. Yeah, um, you know, and that's ultimately that's what his goal is, and he's using these kids to get there. Um, you know, I, I, again. There's also we, we've talked about the possibility that there was a relationship between Lee and Kay. So um, which I still believe. I still believe there's a potential there. There's a potential there that Hiroshi is actually Lee's son Lee's kid. and not yeah. Bill's um, making Kate and Kentaro his grandchildren. Um you know that we we got to see how that plays out. I don't know if you already know, but obviously, if you do, don't say anything. Um, say <laughs> I know, I know you did. Um, so yeah, it's I'm I'm with you. I think Lee kind of like Shaw has his own objectives. Yeah, it's I think the question is, are they for the good of himself and himself only? Are they for the good of the Randa family? Are they good for the good of the human race? Like, we don't know to what extent. Yeah, um, that's that's still a question in my head. Yeah. So, so I do. I like the fact that, you know, Verdugo calls out Tim and saying, like, well, I wasn't the one that kidnapped them. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> yes, mistakes were made. <laughs> Which is something I called earlier, too, that, like, he probably just went about it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was fun. It was fun hearing that. Um, I'm looking at my notes. I, I think I covered everything I have. Yeah, for this episode. same here. Uh, the only cute thing that I thought about it was uh, when they are in and they're being hunted by the soldiers. Uh, before that actually happened, Kintara picks up a bag of chips and she goes, Oh, they'll get you for looting. That's what they're looking for. And he goes, Not if I eat the evidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then <clears throat> later on, it comes into play too because of the cats around there. And they, I think Carolyn mentioned that the cats were a big thing in the city itself. And Kintaro uses that a way for them to uh, show a distraction to the, to the soldiers. Because he throws well, the bag, and then the, the cats start eating it. But also the cats come into play of finding a way out of one of the buildings that they were stuck inside. Yeah, I mean, and, and even the soldier was like, oh, more of those damn cats. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it is it is a well-known thing that cats have kind of taken over um, that. But I'm wondering if there's even more to that, too. What, hmm. Why are cats taking over? Like, Good like question. Why, why are there a lot of cats in San Francisco? How is it that they survived? Um, you know, and, and they're kind of breeding within this area and just kind of being 
just kind of taking over the area. Um, cats are very big in Tokyo. So is there a way that cats are getting from Tokyo to, to San Francisco? Is Ben way overthinking this? <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> I think he probably is. Uh, but <laughs> and you like cats anyway, so it's all right. <laughs> you I got do. I have th- I have three. three of them. I I am a cat gentleman, and I happily admit it. But yeah, I think I'm kind of just you know, I'm kind I'm kind of You're projecting a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> projecting onto something else. Yeah. Um. Any other notes from the episode then before we move on to feedback? Uh, no, not really. The only thing I have would be a couple of quotes. Yeah, go for it. One of them was from Lee to Verdugo. And it was during that conversation we were talking about. And he goes, the world is on fire. I wanted to do something about it. And that was the reason it's about why he didn't attempt to escape after the decades of being stuck in Japan at that point. Or where mm-hmm. was it? Was it Japan? Yeah, it was I think Japan. Yeah, it was in Japan. Yeah. So it, it, he uh, so basically he found a calling because of the kids, because the kids sought him out and he found it as a way and the reason why to get out. Yeah. Any uh, other quotes? Yeah, just one more. And it's from May. Uh, and it's 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 literally what uh, she says to Kate at one point when Kate's having her panic attack. Uh, the only way out is through. And then out of the blue during that time, like when Kate starts to calm down a little bit, then Kentaro comes in and says he found a way out just to follow the cats. <laughs> yeah. And it got so, them through. And we got them through. Got them through. Uh, cool. So then that leads us to feedback, the feedback section of the podcast. And we have a couple, uh, we have two voicemails cause we actually had one come in as we were recording. Um, so we have <laughs> two voicemails now to play, uh, as well as some fee- uh, an email and Facebook feedback. Uh, so I'm going to start with the f- email feedback first, because this actually came in last week and I forgot to read it. Uh, and I promised them that I would. So this one comes from, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Levine. I pr- I'm apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Uh, and he says on Monarch, because of this series, I decided to rewatch the film series. In Kong Skull Island, we see Bill Randa on his first trip to the newly found Skull Island, eaten by one of those lizard monsters. No question, he did. Uh, So how in the world is he seen running to the coast of Skull Island and throwing a bunch of records into the ocean that he definitely didn't have on his arrival? Nobody had a clue what was on that island before they arrived, and when he was never really away from his military group. Otherwise, really loving the show and the podcast. Keep up the great work. Hmm. Um, That's a good, good reference. Yeah, he was definitely eaten by a skull crawler. I do remember that. Um, I don't know. I, I really can't comment or theorize unless I go back and rewatch Skull Island, which I want to do here. anyway. Yeah. Um, I actually want to rewatch both Godzilla and Skull Island uh, before, um, hopefully before next week. So, yeah. Well, that well, I'm going to rewatch the whole. I want to rewatch all four of them before 
Godzilla at yeah. But I mean, before we get into like the second half of the season, I want to of Monarch, I want to go back and rewatch Kong Skull Island and Godzilla um, because there might be references that are going to come up. True. Yeah. So kind of like this one that that Joe brought to our attention. So, uh, Joe, I can't really comment or answer any of this. Um, Maybe next week I will have an answer for you. Uh, cause I'm going to try and watch skull Island between now and then I'm kind of in the holiday movie mindset right now. <laughs> so I've been rewatching a lot of that, uh, a lot of those. So, but I will try and fit skull Island. Skull Island's a Christmas movie, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I figured, I mean, I was going to try with like Die Hard and Batman returns. You never know. Uh, but thank you, Joe, for, uh, for the email through the website. And I apologize that I didn't get to it last week. Uh, the next piece of feedback comes from our great friend, Rima, uh, which she is eventually going to be on the podcast uh, at some point during the second half of the season, uh, along with our friend Jason and our friends Daphne and Pake are all going to be hopefully on here as well. Uh, but Rima says, I like seeing the siblings starting to warm up to each other. The scene where Kentaro tries cheering up Kate was sweet. The scene where they framed present Shaw with past Shaw was brilliant. Agreed. Uh, love that they got Kurt and Wyatt for this show. I could be wrong, but I'm starting to get the vibes that maybe there was something between Shaw and Kay. Yup. 100%. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. Uh, but thank you, Rima, for the feedback. And uh, we're going to be reaching out because you're coming on at some point before yeah. the end of this season. Uh, but that leads us to the two voicemails that we have for the episode. And the first comes from Sam, uh, who has left us feedback already for the past couple episodes. So let's see what Sam has to say for this one. Hi, it's Sam from Boston. Well, I definitely like this episode way more than last week's. And I really appreciated the podcast. Uh, as usual, you guys made me more invested in the show. And I really appreciated that I wasn't alone in not really liking that episode. I thought I was just being a grumpy <laughs> pants again. Um, but this week was really good. I, you know, Kate's flashbacks were, this is what I wanted from the series. I mean, I, I loved it. Um, as, as, as chilling as they were, just, this is what I wanted. I wanted to see everyday people finding out that there's Titans and not only are they Titans, but they're in your town and you have to run. Like, it kind of reminds me of Fear the Walking Dead, you know, back when it was good in the beginning of seeing like, what would this look like for us? And it allows me to sort of really be in the character's shoes and, and to connect to them in a deeper way. And it did it for me. Like, I, I really liked it. And, and Kate being a queer woman, I thought was wonderful casting and, and for her character, I, I think it fits perfectly. It, it's not a gimmick. And, you know, Rob called it. I'm definitely seeing the chemistry between her and May. Not, not that there needed to be, but I, I liked seeing her character be so more dimensional, I guess. And I really liked her storyline with her partner. I'm, I'm just a little confused about the purpose of it. Like that, that component of the flashbacks, I thought we were going to watch the partner get onto the bus and then go off the, the ledge with the kids. And like, that's why Kate was so grief stricken and traumatized compounded by her guilt that she was also cheating on her partner. Cause apparently cheating runs in the Randa family. Uh, but that wasn't what happened. She didn't get on the bus. So I feel like I'm missing something in there that, 
it couldn't even be that the trauma has disrupted her life because that relationship and moving in ended before she encountered Godzilla. So can you guys help me out here? I'm not quite sure what the purpose of that storyline was. Um, and then I also liked seeing the original trio, even in like a little like, you know, projector flash. I, I thought that was kind of cool. And I found myself missing them and their camaraderie when they're having fun. And we got a little bit of it in the first episode it was kind of nice to see, you know, them building that family vibe or I guess a throuple vibe. I'm, I'm not sure. They have really great chemistry, all three of them together. So I'm um, game. But uh, yeah, I, I, I liked that. Also, Kentaro needs to go sit in a corner and be quiet somewhere. He annoyed me so much this episode. I cannot stand this child. So I just, ugh, no, stop it. You're ruining this. Um, and also, I hope we never see that soldier who said he wanted to shoot the cats. Really, I hope he's Titan food. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I agree with the cat one. <laughs> um, so going back to being a little bit confused with Kate and the the non-resolution of her and her partner, um, I think we kind of touched on it a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily that it's there was no resolution to that. I think it's the fact that her partner probably did not make it, was not a survivor, uh, neither one of them. Uh, so I think it's it's less no resolution to the relationship and more the having to live with the guilt of it never being resolved. Um, there's no closure with that situation yeah. and there never can be now because Kate survived. They probably didn't. Yeah, I agree. So, completely. so I think it's more Kate is living with the guilt of never having closure of the situation. And that's adding to the trauma of everything else. And that's a good point, Sam, too, that of cheating running in the family. Yeah, I didn't even really, I didn't really think no. about that. So that was a that was a really good point. But thanks again, Sam, for the uh, for the feedback. Yeah. Uh, and that, of course, leads us to our lives our weekly live steving uh, from our friend <laughs> Steve Brown. So let's uh, let's play that now. Hello, Mark and Ben. This is Steve, and this is going to be for Monarch, episode five, season one, episode five. I haven't seen the title yet, so I don't know it. Oh, the way out. Let's see where we go. So, wait, so they rescued them in a helicopter just to put them all in separate cells? What? <laughs> the son is an artist, in air quotes. Hey, Tim, trying to intimidate them as you're releasing them, just not, it's not good form, prick asshole. Of course, they know they're not going to stop looking into Monarch. One star for TripAdvisor Alaska because there's no bars open. So do I have this right? Kate, May, and Kintaro are going to go to San Francisco. And now here we have Shaw in another cell. i say something. I think that Kurt and Wyatt Russell are, are killing it as playing the same character. Wyatt is not playing a young Kurt Russell. He's playing a young Lee Shaw. And Kurt Russell is playing the older Lee Shaw. So they're going to play it differently. And... To say that, that Wyatt Russell's not moving or, or acting like a young Kurt Russell, he shouldn't be. And the French woman is saying the same thing we've heard before, that Kurt Russell looks way too young to be 90 years old. So there's something that slowed his aging. According to Tim, it's classified. Okay, this James is a character. I, I don't know if we've seen him before or not, but I can't wait to get to know more about James. Okay, uh, she, Kate just broke the news that Kintaro is Aranda. And her mom just kind of sighed. Did she already know that Hiroshi had another family? So she suspected there was something, but she didn't know. And so she sent Kate to find out. I guess I need to watch these movies again, maybe. But So Godzilla, who did, who did Godzilla fight in that G-Day movie? 
Oh, so Kate took the bus instead of staying with her partner. Got it. Yeah, I may have missed something, but they made it to the father's office. Ooh, no safe behind the, the map. So they found the path that Godzilla's taking through the Earth? Oh, so May just called the French girl, right? And she's saying that she wants to go home, what she needs to do. Hmm. And Shaw is being moved somewhere. All right. Another week. <laughs> um, thank you, Steve, as always. Yeah, he was fighting. Godzilla was fighting the Mudos in, in the Godzilla in the 2014 mm-hmm. movie. Um, there were a couple other things in there, too. And I forget. Oh, uh, the whole comment about, you know, Kurt Russell or Wyatt Russell's not playing an older Kurt Russell. Like, you know, just they're playing each other as well. They are the criticism that Kurt Russell's not playing or why it's not playing a younger Kurt Russell and he shouldn't be uh, bravo. Well done. Agree completely. (laughs) Um, You're right. Neither one of them is playing the younger version of the other or the older version of the other. They are playing a character. Yes. Um, completely different from either one of them. Um, and the fact that they are, they seem to be two different people or they're being played portrayed differently could speak to the fact that there's a whole lot of time in between that we don't know anything about. Yeah. This person, this character has changed when they were in, uh, according to Verdugo seclusion or, captivity <laughs> for decades so or it, or wherever he was bef- that lead that led up to that captivity correct yeah he if he was uh hanging around the uh tribesmen of the whole earth <laughs> we'll see we'll see if that's where he was um i'm sticking to that th- i'm telling you i'm sticking to that theory um <clears throat> yeah so there's a there's a lot of Lee Shaw's life that we don't know about that changed him. So the fact yeah. that they seem like they're two different people is fine. It totally plays. Yeah, it's totally valid. <clears throat> uh, but thank you guys and everybody who left that feedback this week. We encourage you guys to leave us feedback for the episodes. Easiest way to do that is go to wilhelmpodcast.com uh, and you'll find links to social media there for uh, for the Wilhelm podcast, uh, or you can go to podcastica.com and you'll find links to the podcastica social media pages on both of them. Every week we leave a feedback post. You can leave comments there, or you can just email your feedback into us directly in the form of an email or a voicemail to feedback at Wilhelm Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's uh, let's do our plugs. Mark, what do you got going on, and where can people find what you're doing? Well, it's easy. Uh, you can find me on Panels to Pixels podcast. You can find that on any player of choice. Literally, all you have to do, we have a Facebook page, which you could usually just follow us on, uh, facebook.com forward slash Panels to Pixels. Uh, we wrapped up Gen V, Rob and I. Uh, Invincible is done. We're just waiting right now. We're in a small little holding pattern until what if from Disney plus gets released. Uh, what's going to be interesting about that when we cover it, it's they're actually putting out one a day when it gets released. Really? Supposedly, according to what uh, Kirk Manley was stating on uh, the Loki cast when they covered the Marvel. So I got to look into that. But if that's the case, I'll probably do two episodes uh, every podcast and I'll still do one a week. 
uh, one episode podcast a week, like uh, t- two episodes of what if on one podcast and then obviously one podcast a week. Oh, yeah. But- Schedule, scheduled to premiere on Disney Plus on December 22nd with a new episode airing each day for nine days. Isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I'll be doing that. I'll be covering that. So you can check me out. Uh, check me out over there on Pounce Pixels Podcast, uh, Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. Uh, you can find me there as well. Uh, there we cover everything: action, adventure, fantasy films, thriller, suspense, anything that gets your adrenaline going. Uh, we just I just released it today, and we mentioned it uh, last week on the last episode of uh, Monarch. Uh, we covered uh, Rob and Ben, and I covered Real Steel. So that's out already for your uh, listening pleasure. And yeah, we we recorded that immediately after we after. recorded last week's episode of Monarch. We did yeah. a we did a double recording last week. So uh, yeah. but that was fun. That was a lot of fun coming on. And I I kind of feel like Rob and I kind of hijacked that convers that that podcast. <laughs> oh, that's <for> fine. <laughs> uh, I knew that of, was going to happen anyway. <laughs> just because of my admiration for that film, and you know, Rob kind of seemed to reciprocate that as well. Yeah. Uh, and having a lot of love for that film. So I feel like we kind of took that over from you. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So I, I thank you for having me on again. No, no, no problem. That. Especially that movie. That. Cause I love, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And those, uh, the other places you can find me as well as you could hear me here. Cool. Uh, yeah. So as for Wilhelm, this podcast, uh, depending on whether you're listening through Wilhelm or through house podcastica, uh, I encourage you to check out Wilhelm and listen and subscribe to that Wilhelmpodcast.com or facebook.com slash Wilhelm podcast. Uh, if you're listening on the Wilhelm side, we encourage you to check out everything over at podcastica podcastica.com. And over there, there's a ton of stuff happening. Um, there's something pretty much for everybody over there. Daphne and Paik are returning with Run for Your Lives. They're doing one of my favorite movies, um, which is uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Oh, which yeah. I just I love that movie so much. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, that is a movie that really puts like a, co- a comedic flipped on its head look at horror. And it's so it's so well done. Um <laughs> Uh, Jason and Lucy, I think, are in a little bit of a break, but they're still doing their Walking Dead rewatch. Um, just go over to podcastica.com and, and or facebook.com slash podcastica and you'll find there's a ton of stuff over there over there that's happening. Um, yeah. So if you're a, if you're a Wilhelm subscriber, we encourage you to check out Podcastica. Just the reverse. If you're a house of if you're a house podcastica subscriber, we encourage you to go over and check uh check out Wilhelm. Um, I also put the note out too, real quick. I'm doing an end of the year episode for Wilhelm, uh, for Wilhelm Maine, in which uh, I'm doing a feedback special where I'm going to be talking about favorite Christmas movies, Christmas episodes, things like that. So if you're listening to this and you're you're willing, which I hope you are, uh, leave me some feedback about that. Send me an email or a voicemail and let me know. What are your Christmas traditions when it comes to movies and television? What movies do you watch? When do you watch them? What movies do you avoid? All that fun stuff. Uh, send it to me at feedback at wilhelmpodcast.com and uh, I'm going to use it for my year end special. I think that's it. Hmm. I, think. I would say. <laughs> You're like, hmm. All right. I guess it is. I guess it is. <laughs> um, next episode, season one, episode six uh, Terrifying Miracles. 
Uh, Shaw finds an unlikely ally within Monarch as the team has a harrowing run-in. Uh, Kiko and Lee grow closer while at a military ball. So we might see some of the. <laughs> or if you're Mark, you've already seen it. I can't but recall. I, yeah. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, so with that being said thank you for listening thank you for subscribing thank you for just being a part of this as we go along uh but until next time we'll see you guys on another episode take care bye bye